It's the True Penny Show with your host, James True Penny. Hello and welcome to the True Penny Show. My name is James True Penny. This is my show, and today we have a twofer. We're going for two shows in one. And later on, I'll be talking to Marcus Green of Baton Rouge, Louisiana, about Glait as they build up for their big show, Megaver. Isn't the greatest name for a show, but it means mega version, which features the return of Kota Ibushi to Japanese professional wrestling after a long layoff. So that should be interesting. But right now, we are going to go back to Japan as well, but we're going to take a different tack towards Japan via Game Changer Wrestling, who went on a recent Japanese tour. And we're going to look at one of their shows from Shinkawa First Ring. And to talk to me about that is Anna, whose idea the show was. How are you doing, Anna? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing fine, thank you very much. We're in Tokyo. We're in Chicago first ring. One of the best places on earth to watch professional wrestling. And we have some of the best professional wrestlers on earth to watch as well. When you heard GCW going to Japan, what did you think? So the GCW Japan tours, like, since they started going in, like, 2019. So they're always ones that I, I try to go out of my way to watch. Um, even though I haven't been, like watching every gcw show lately i just made it appointment viewing to watch this one because like uh, i think it's really cool especially um with some of the people that they brought over this time like there being four women first of all like that was a big uh change up sure one of them was local but still <laughs> like <laughs> arguably three of them were local <laughs> yeah <that's> true <laughs> Um, well, I mean, and Sawyer Wreck on the same tour was became a TJPW regular. So, uh, yeah, I would suggest that they were all regular Japanese competitors, but certainly four of the premier exponents of deathmatch wrestling in the world, shall we say. Yes. Yes, indeed. Um, so the match, the match, the card opened with a traditional six-way scramble match, which if you've watched kind of Japanese wrestling outside of New Japan, well, even New Japan do it, let's be honest. Um, you tend to start your show off with something big and flashy to grab people's attention, to drive them along with some momentum for the rest of the show. And the six-way scramble match featured Dragon Libre, Jimmy Lloyd, Kikitaru, Minoru Fujita, Teriyaki, and Gringo Loco. Uh, and it was won by Gringo Loco. And Gringo Loco was a great regular <laughs> up until recently. But I think tours have clashed for him an awful lot. And he spent a lot of time on Noah shows as well. <laughs> so I think he's no longer a great regular. Um, but he's he's amazing. And it's it's a great win for him. Um, you know, Jimmy Lloyd as well. I haven't seen too much of him, but I hear know of him by reputation. Kikitaro, of course. The legend, the man that is Kikitaro. He follows me on Twitter, so I have to say that. Uh, <laughs> Dragon Libre and Minoru Fujita. Um, I haven't watched an awful lot of, but would like to see more of. Minoru Fujita is a bit more of a legend kind of figure. I would like to see more of Dragon Rebate. And Teriyaki is very good as well. What was your thoughts on this opening match, Anna? Yeah, well, I mean, it was not only classic just for, like, the traditional kind of Japanese way of starting a show, like, uh, having get people fired up with like either a big like it's usually like a scramble or like if it's a big show like a tag title match like i know new japan's pretty big into the big tag match at the beginning of a show but uh yeah you just throw a bunch of guys in there and everyone gets fired up especially like six like pretty good guys like this like i wasn't too familiar like with teriyaki at all 
because uh, like I, I haven't been uh, too caught up on the GCW recently, but of course like adore Kikutaro. I'm, I'm, I'm a big like comedy wrestling gal and all that stuff, and of course Japanese legend Gringo Loco. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, yeah, no, it was a, a great like way to start the show. Uh, again, I like these scrambles because everyone just kind of gets to pop off. Yeah, just like pop their shit off, like have an awesome time, just get some big moves in, get everybody fired up. And like uh, with a smaller crowd, like a Chinkiba first drink, like it, it really fit like the, the vibe I felt like just having kind of a really explosive start to the show. Uh, for those of you not familiar with Teriyaki, he's a two-year pro, and he was trained by A.R. Fox and Q.T. Marshall. And I couldn't think of two guys who were more polar <laughs> than A.R. Fox and Q.T. Marshall. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I'm not, I think both of Q.T. Marshall and A.R. Fox are wonderful. I love their act. They love their work. However, I'm like, so like a traditional North American wrestler in an area. Yeah, what? <laughs> anyway. So yes, um, but yeah, no, this was a lot of fun. The only thing I had a complaint about it was it was too short. I just wanted to see more of everyone. You know, I'm not a big traditional mm. multi-person match. I like tag team wrestling and singles wrestling. I don't like multi-man matches. But I understand why you do this, and this makes perfectly good sense. But if it had been 15 minutes long, I think I'd have really got sunk my teeth into it, if that makes sense. Not to be overly critical. Yeah, yeah but... Sure. Um, there was like minutes of different matches on this show that probably could have been given to this. Yes, movie. and I mean as well, there is like none of these matches go. I mean, the main event goes a quite a long way. Arguably, it could have been shorter, to be honest with you. <laughs> um, but the yeah, I think they're trying to cram an awful lot into a very short period of time. You have to understand, Shinkaba first ring will run three shows in a day. So they've got to be in and out, and they're making a massive mess because it's a deathmatch show, so they've got to get everything done. So it isn't as easy as it sounds when you put it that way, is it? No. So there you go. <laughs> Second match was a deathmatch because, you know, let's throw the kitchen sink at this. <laughs> Shane Mercer, Shane Mercer right? defeated Daisuke Masoko in 9 minutes and 34 seconds in a nice little deathmatch. I enjoyed this. Um, it Went up along with a feral clip, and I like Shermosa, and I like Daisuke Masako. Um, and yes, this was entertaining. I was a little bit contrived in spots with a place or two, which isn't to my taste, as you know. But yes, it was good. What did you think of this one? Just like watching Shane Mercer Biff Guys. That's one of my favorite things, watching him just throw <laughs> a guy. And there was a lot of that match, and I appreciated that a lot. And uh, there was a moment where he got uh, uh, Masaoka, he moonsaulted onto him on the outside, and I really thought he was going to, like, lift him up and just yeet him across the room, like, after, uh, and it was just me dreaming, but uh, it would have been so cool if that happened. But, yeah, I mean, Masaoka looked like he still looked strong and like a badass even though he was absolutely getting thrashed by Shane Mercer <laughs> like <laughs> but like no one looked like no one looked bad in the match yeah. in my opinion like even though uh, Masoka was getting like just absolutely brutalized and Shane Mercer was doing the brutalization um I think everyone like looked good at really um there was equality between 
the two like very different uh vibes of each uh yeah wrestler yeah it's um it i mean yeah it, you kind of got the the bjw gcw philosophy thing off there didn't you really where the way you know bjw has been a massive influence on deathmatch wrestling in the states because they showed that they didn't you didn't need a massive um budget to do those kind of matches um and you could make something creative with what you've got you know because bjw essentially had no money <laughs> when it started you know i look at some of those early bjw cards and you're like uh all the piranha tank match that me and dave um uh reviewed from some time ago and it was like i was on the, that was on my list of um I, I did a show dave who does the who used to do so those occasionally the wrestling really one with dara and martin um i did dave's playlist and i picked out the oddest and weirdest matches for dave to watch <laughs> and one of them was the bjw um <laughs> Kendo Nagasaki versus, I, I can't remember who was wrestling, but um, loser gets put into, or you, to, to win the match, you had to stuff your opponent into a fish tank of piranhas. Which are not that deadly, of course, because, you know, that is the legend of literature and things, because piranhas mostly don't eat human flesh. They will do if they're hungry enough. But clearly these particularly were well-fed piranhas, as you can imagine. Um, <laughs> you know, there was that kind of stupidity um, originally in BJW, but it was a massive influence on the way companies like CZW and GCW have worked since. Um, so it always intrigues me as to, like, when you see these matches back, you see echoes back and forth between the two companies. Does that make sense? Hmm. Okay. Yeah. Let us move on. To something that wasn't a death match, but was incredibly violent. Mammoth Sasaki, Tomio Arata, and Teo Sugiara <laughs> went up against John Wayne Murdoch and Los Mazis. I can never pronounce this properly. Los Makizos, Ciclope, and Mido Extremo. How am I spelling that? How do I pronounce it? Los, Los Makizis? <laughs> How do I pronounce it? Los Macizos. Mm -hmm. Los Macizos. Yes, Los Macizos and John Wayne Murdoch win this match. This one was <laughs> a lot more together in my kind of thing because it was just a straight-up tag match. It was a grudge match. People who didn't like one another having to get along to form against a common enemy, which, as we know from Alien movies, is the way to motivate your hometown team. Um, what did you think of this? Yeah, like, uh, first of all, shout out to the uh, Hana Kimura tribute mm -hmm. from Los Macisos. Uh, very, very good with the pink camo. <laughs> uh, I see you. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, there was a, like, a great six-man action in what could have been a total mess just based on who was in this match. Um Shout out to Mammoth Sasaki for having his name on his butt because <laughs> I couldn't remember who was who because I wasn't familiar uh, either. And I I always thank wrestlers when they wear their names on their butt because it's very helpful for me. <laughs> there was a pizza cutter duel at one point. Yeah. Made me very nervous. <laughs> yeah, but lots of fun weapons in this match. I, I, I thought it was pretty funny that it's seemingly uh, uh, seemingly Ciclope brought his own backpack out because, like, his just his freaking <laughs> Nikes came out. Like, he had <laughs> like, man, I, I would have just like maybe just put the pizza cutter in the in the backpack and 
And you didn't have to break the whole thing. <laughs> but I thought it was really funny. So oh, well, bearing, yeah, no, bearing in mind, like, this wasn't supposed to be a death match. It just ended up as a death match. Yes. And really, from the big angle that yes. they did at the um, uh, Tournament of Survival, they probably should have put this in the main event, really. I, I understand what they were doing with the main event, because the main event was exceptionally good. Um, and obviously it was a big draw. It was probably a bigger draw, but if you're trying to tell the story, I would have laid this card out slightly differently. Um, but, you know, they had other things to tell in this tour as well, didn't they? So, you know, like, yeah. So, maybe I'm being nitpicky. We do apologise. I try not to be where I can. Uh, anything else you'd like to say about this match? No, I, I really enjoyed the match. I think it was to the point. And I <laughs> it's funny you saying about like point. mammoth having <laughs> ties. That's why um, football jerseys had names on them in like in, in the NFL was because when the AFL started, no one knew anybody was because all of these players were from second tier colleges or like didn't cut it to get into the NFL. Um, so they put the names on their jerseys so people could understand who they were. <laughs> and that's the, so the reason why arguably all wrestlers should have their names on their tights like TMDK do yes because they have like you know they have a uniform yes. now of black tights orange sides national flag on one side depending whether you're Australian British or Japanese and then on the other side haste or saber or whoever so I noticed that today when I was watching Shane Haste wrestling um, Zack Saber Jr um, so yes, maybe that is the way forward, and that's what we should just do from now on. <laughs> Tights in faction colours with the names on, please. That's what we'd like, Mr. and Mrs. Promoter. I mean, I love a matching yeah, group. Yeah, see, outfit. that's it. I mean, so. like when Best Friends came out with matching tracksuits. That was the way forward. I mean, and, and oh, absolutely. Also, like, you know... Um, the Joshi companies of the 90s all had matching tracks. It was someone was sponsored by tracksuit companies. I think it was JWA JWP was sponsored by no, yeah, they were sponsored by Wilson and um, FMW had their own tracksuit company as well. Um, they all came out in matching tracksuits. And in all Japan women, the, the bad guys had their own tracksuits. They had black ones while the other one else had white ones. <laughs> Kakaki Domi had to have different black tracksuits because not, not, we're, not, we're not wearing the same one as them. <laughs> Which I just thought was hilarious, but there we go. And speaking of Joshi, <laughs> we will move on to the next match, which was, I think, probably the thing we were most both interested in. Yes. <laughs> uh, that would be your GCW violence champion, ultra violent champion, Rini Yamashita, teaming up with the Impact Wrestling knockout women's champion, Masha Slamovich, to go up against Charlie Evans of Australia. And Soya Wreck of the United States, America. Now, as we were saying, Rini Master is obviously Japanese <laughs> and a highly well-established member of the Oz Academy roster down the years. <laughs> Masha Slamovich had a year in Japan as a protege of one of the original Crush Girls, who this week announced their reunion for their 40th anniversary. Um, uh, just um, now the names escapes me because I've started talking about them. Obviously, it does. Linus Asker's partner, um, the push girls. Have to go. Nagayo, There we go. Yeah, she was a she was a project Chigasaw Nagayo under um 
her for a year. Charlie Evans is a well-established Sendai girl, and Sawyer Rec has been wrestling for TJPW. So lots of Joshi experience, but not in this style of match. <laughs> there was Academy does get a bit deathmatchy from time to time in a more traditional style. Um, by the way, I'll talk about this after the match, but we'll talk about this match first. This match was kind of um, four mate showing off, and there's nothing wrong with that in this particular context. <laughs> and that's what I liked about it, because it was just like they were having a good time, and they had a proper wrestling match with some violence attached, which I kind of the kind of death match I can enjoy. Um, but as well, it's kind of a match they didn't really need the blood and the guts and stuff because they could have had a really good match without it. So it was kind of like tinsel on top of something awesome. So that was really, really cool. Also noticeable, they didn't bother sweeping the ring for them. They were like, you're going to have to roll around in glass. All right, then, that's fine. I going to be in pain anyway. It's like, ah, why bother? Kasai, at the end of his like big matches at Kurken Hall, and he's like, the, the, the ring will be covered knee-deep in glass, and he'll just take bumps for the hell of it, because he's already a mess anyway. <laughs> um, but yeah. Uh, yeah, no, this was just fun. This was just four mates having a laugh, and it was really, really good. What did you think of this? Yeah, no, I, I really liked it a lot, too. Like... Of course, I like all of these wrestlers, like, a lot. And, uh, yeah, no, just good, fun, deathmatchy stuff with also some, like, good wrestling as well. Like, it's funny. I think the person that did the most, like, actual wrestling was Charlie Evans. And, like, I... It, and usually she's, like, been more, like, deathmatchy recently, but she was, like, really killing it, like, with the... With like the chain wrestling and stuff like that, and that—that's a side of her that you haven't really gotten to see lately. Of course, like just because where she's been booked lately and stuff like that. Of course, I don't watch um, the, the PWA or anything like that, so I don't really see um, whenever she does like non-deathmatchy stuff. But uh, uh, no, it was a nice yeah. little treat to get a um, little uh, catchy Charlie was in with today. a young British lady. Um, called Medusa Complex. Um, uh, Medusa Complex sadly had to split up when said young British lady had to go to WWE. Um, and um, I've forgotten her name as well. I'm just looking out. <laughs> it's like my favorite wrestler and I can't remember her name. Medusa Complex. Millie McKenzie, of course it was. Yeah. Um, so when Millie McKenzie had to go to W, went to WWE. I'm not saying had to go, so she chose to go to WWE. When she went to WWE, they had to break up. And um, first, and then of course they had lockdown before that. So um, essentially, they broke up and didn't really see each other for three years. And the week that Charlie was in Japan for this tour, Millie was in Japan for the TJ for Sendai Girls because she was challenging and won the Sendai Girls World Championship, a belt I think she was born to wear. And there is pictures of them at the backstage at this show <laughs> where they where they met for the first time in like forever. And they just it's just like <laughs> it's so cool. And it's like both of them are top of the world. Charlie Evans is one of the biggest deathmatch draws in pro wrestling, one of the best female wrestlers on the indie circuit in Australia and in North America and in Japan. Millie McKenzie is Sendai Girls World Champion. She's won the belt that her mentor, um, Miko Satomura, my favourite wrestler, um, trained her for. And that's just 
absolutely amazing to see when you think that they were like, you know, in such a mess <laughs> not that long ago because of COVID and stuff and we're not getting out and not doing stuff and now like, you know, letting go by getting let go by the WWE was not always a horrible thing because you get to go and do the things you want to do. And Mila McKenzie is now a world champion and she thoroughly deserves it. And Charlie Evans is absolutely awesome as well. Also, shout out to Chris Brooks who won the KOD DDT Championship this week. Um, just the, the, that was the only time I get a flash of national pride is when British wrestlers do exceptionally well. <laughs> and um, yeah, Chris Brooks winning the DDT Championship. Yeah. No less, having won every belt on the way up to the main event championship after being there for four years, commentator for TJPW, and um, you know he's done everything and done su been such a good role model for other people that want to go to Japan. And Ken Tikapashi strapped the KOD championship on him when he won the belt. How cool is that? Again, which cool than that? Yeah. Okay, so British wrestlers still on top of the world, and I like that. Exactly. Um, but yes, what's your thoughts on this match? You got anything else to say about it? No, I I really liked it. I really enjoyed it. There was some fun violence, some really good wrestling. Uh, I liked everybody <laughs> in it, and I um, yeah, I think that did. <laughs> so you're right as well. Went on for a I like challenge for the That's good. Princess championships as well. She, she was not successful, but she's having quite the run at the moment. I am surprised that no one from your uh, AEW has picked her up. But if things are to be believed from the rumours this week, they may be looking for a monster because they've lost one. Yeah. So, hmm. Intriguing. I don't think she'd be able yeah. to do the things for AW that she does for DCW. She may not like that, so <laughs> see where the things are. But equally, paychecks. It's wrestling, folks. Anywho, <laughs> we'll see what happens there. Uh, the semi-main event was Blake Christian versus Shigehiro Eerie for the GCW World Championship. Um, uh, myself and Marcus were talking about Shigehiro uh, Eerie, uh, which you will hear later on this particular podcast. So I'm going to sound like I'm repeating myself. We recorded this yesterday, but it makes more sense to do this in this order. You'll understand in the end. Because <laughs> we're dealing with chronology here. But I was saying to Marcus, and Marcus was of uh, a level of an agreement with me, that I don't understand why Shigehiro Erie isn't a world heavyweight champion for someone. Like, he, he is the ultimate utility player. He's a heavyweight that wrestles like a junior. He's got oh, character work. He can wrestle for anyone. He can wrestle any style. He can be aerial when you need him to be. He's a brilliant brawler and he's a powerhouse. I don't get why someone hasn't gone, here's this belt, make it work. <laughs> I don't get it uh, and, and I, mean, I understand because he is a member of Strong Hearts but he's not on the Glate roster he likes doing things for other people and therefore obviously he does do Glate shows he doesn't do them as often as the rest of Strong Hearts do because they're contracted wrestlers to Glate and he's not we can go do things like this for GCW and do American tours and things like that which Glate obviously really offer at the minute because they've got no like um affiliates in the states so yeah and therefore he was just absolutely the perfect guy to give blake christian an awesome championship match um so what's your thoughts on this one and what's your thoughts on sugar here at Erie?
Well, like adore Shigehiro Irie, and like I love a big man that can move. He is one of my favorite big men, but I am not trying to be that guy. But no. I just <laughs> like Christian. He's a great wrestler, just not my style. <laughs> so <laughs> this was a lot of uh, uh, me waiting for Shigehiro to lose, unfortunately. So it really took me out of it. Because, uh, yeah, like, as, as much as I enjoy watching... But that's, him, that's understandable. I have a similar not aversion to the like Christian match, <laughs> I don't think. <laughs> oh, I... Yeah. No, it's... Nothing to do with the wrestling ability, really which care he for him either, so... However, like, <laughs> just the stuff that's gone on down the years have just has worn on me far too much. <laughs> so, yes... That's the thing. Anywho, let us yeah. move on from match that was really good. But and, and you know, again, Shigehiriri, somebody, please, please, somebody. Anyway, uh, Masahashi Takeda defeated Joey Janela in 17 minutes and 39 seconds in a match that received 8.52 from the cage match users, which will tell you exactly how good it is. It's a death match, kind of. Now we do like Mr. Takeda here. Uh, on this particular show, because him and Young Kasai went to Glate last summer on their last version, um, uh, mega version show, and had the match of the year with Bulk Orchestra. They had a an absolutely dominant performance where they beat Seven Shades of Shit out of Bulk Orchestra for like twenty five minutes, which had you on the edge of your seat for twenty five minutes. It's very rare somebody does a stretcher job and you're absolutely thrilled to watch it. <laughs> um, so ever since then, I've loved Takeda and watching him wrestle. And it doesn't really matter whether it's a deathmatch or not, because it's going to end up fairly deathmatchy anyway. <laughs> um, and Ginello is kind of the perfect foil, because he's pretty much willing to do anything that other people will tell him to do to get over. And therefore, it worked. And that was fine. I, I'm not a massive fan of Joey Ginello, but I do appreciate what he gives to a match and how he gets over with a match. And like the things he's willing to do to make a match work, um, I'm not convinced it's best for his long-term health. Um, but this match was pretty safe, really, in comparison to some of the things he's done. Um, and Takeda is just kind of one of those guys. He just keeps plowing on in his career. How old is he now? I'm trying to think of this. He's 37. He's been around a long time. And again, he's a guy. He works for Freedoms and does bits and pieces for other people. Uh, but he's kind of like top dog in freedom, so why go everywhere else? <laughs> you know, that's, that's the thing. I mean, he's looking at he's done this year. He's done freedoms. He's done BJW. He's done GCW. Uh, he did all <laughs> Japan. He did a match for all Japan. Um, DDT. Who's that? Uh, he did some self-produced shows as well. Now he's everywhere. He does all sorts of cool stuff. Headlock uh, Pro Wrestling. Where's that based? Ah, uh, oh, there's another Japanese indie he's done work for. Yeah, he's all over the place. And, you know, he continues to make a really good career out of doing the things he does, and he's really good at it. <laughs> so, there's that. Um, but, yeah, what were your thoughts on this one? Yeah, like, I mean... I loved it because there was, again, very good wrestling and also uh, very good violence as well. I love uh, the when the ring is lined with tubes. 
I think it's convenient and I think it looks cool and I think it adds uh, uh, an extra edge of danger because you can't just like, well, you can just throw your opponents into the rope, but are they are they just going to fall back into it and try to counter it? No, they're not kind of thing. Um, but yeah, like I have not trusted Takeda with scissors for years. Uh, <laughs> very nervous every time I see that. Um, but yeah, uh, <laughs> there was a part that really made me laugh that I was just like, oh, that, that wouldn't have gone down like that in America. It was when they brought up the ladder <laughs> to do some stuff that I am sure you very much loved, James, because it was very contrived and very stupid. But uh, <laughs> when they brought up the ladder and then homeboy was just yeah. like, Standing yeah, on it, keeping that. it still. I mean, I'm just like, like that wouldn't happen in America. They just let that thing potentially fall over. Because obviously, <laughs> their job is to protect the wrestler. And that's the theory they use. So the BJW referees and the Freedoms referees always hold ladders for their opponent, for the wrestlers on those grounds. And that makes sense for me. <laughs> it's when you get young boys coming in and doing it. It's like, why are you doing this? If you're in the ring, then you should get disqualified. It's a death match. But then if it's a death match, well, we, you're just coming in hitting with a chair and it won't matter then, would it? No, so it's just like, you know, this This is the issue I have with levels of contrivance. If you see what I mean. It's like, when the referee holds it, that's fine. That's the ref's job. They're protecting the wrestler because the wrestler's going to do it anyway. They would hold it for either wrestler. When you get third parties involving themselves, <laughs> this sounds really dangerous. But yeah, it just kind of goes back and go like, yep, I'm out of it, gone. No. <laughs> there you go. That's my thoughts on it. Yeah, uh, winning the winning a whole wild ass match like that with a gosh style like, back you know, body drop, um, wrestling always wins, baby. Paul Mahoney oh. and Spike Dudley <laughs> versus the Dudley boys at E-Wave 98. And they won the tag team titles with a roll-up, with a small package. <laughs> and Joey Styles is on commentary going, they won it with a wrestling hold? <laughs> yeah, you know, that's that's how it works. You know, that's, the, that's the thing. And, and that's the that's, 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 that's what it boils down to. That's the, you know, unless you're Kaito Kimia, who stupidly yes, exactly. got into a fight with Gabe, um, Gabe Kidd in New Japan during the G1 Climax this week, and therefore... Didn't play the game of wrestling always wins, and instead of the brawl with him up the uh, up the aisle, and they got a double this well, double count out. So, you know, if you're just up to the wrestling, it'd be fine. But there you go. <laughs> right then. So, what were your overall thoughts on this show and ECW's presence in Japan? Because it keeps growing year on year, and they keep doing stuff, and they keep doing cool mm. stuff. And there's this kind of triangle between Freedoms of BJW and GCW and TNT in the UK and TNT with um, uh, DDT. There's, there's, there's things are mashing, if you see what I mean. See what I mean. It is interesting how, like, who's linked with what, because, like, TNT are linked with DDT and DDT are linked with AW and AW mm. have stuff with GCW and GCW. Yeah. 
it's it's intriguing to me. But what's your thoughts, GCW's business in the future in Japan, and what were your thoughts overall on this car and how it card and how it's been received? Well, they're obviously growing because they're doing um, Cork and Hall next time they go. So that's a pretty big deal. And, uh, yeah, no, I I usually enjoy, like, the, the GCW Japan shows because, of course, like, they can get, of course, all of these deathmatch guys. They're not going to bring them all over for, like, a, a tournament of death or whatever. They're going to have, like... They're going to have Rina and Toshiyuki Sugura and, yeah, like Masashi Takeda and stuff like that. <laughs> Those are the three that they bring over. Toru Sugura, if, they're, if they got a little bit of extra cash money. But, like, <laughs> but, um, no, I think it's great because then it, like, it shows, like, these kind of, like, more localized deathmatch wrestlers like um, Tomoya Hirata or, like even just yeah, yeah like anybody that you would normally or Daisuke Masoka like any people that you would not normally see over the American deathmatch scene but like of course they have like their kind of little stake in Japan but like they don't really have that international platform and so the way that GCW like goes over there and then actually has this working relationship especially with freedoms I think is a and especially because GCW, of course, is inspired by the late 90s, early 2000s Japanese deathmatch wrestling. Like, like those types of guys are, are these guys as guys, you know, like <laughs> their inspiration. So I think it's cool that they're using their pretty large platform, especially like, of course, where um, you really have to seek out stuff when it's in Japan. And GCW yeah, I think just that's like the thing as well. I mean, saying, from Japanese like, course, they're like showing the world, like, but like it's giving them a chance guys to just have a guys bigger and to audience. Extent, I guess. The old Japan guys, they get excursions. You know, they get this experience of going out to uh, CMLL or AAA or Ref Pro or they used to be Ring of Honor, be Impact Wrestling. Now they get they get this chance to go out somewhere. And the smaller Japanese companies, you know, are working on very tight budgets and trying to keep a roster together. That's the thing, is like, and this is the bit that I don't think Western wrestling fans get. We talk about dojos all the time, but those guys in the dojos, it's a job. They get paid. You know, they get living quarters and they get paid. And they don't get paid an awful lot. <laughs> but they get paid money to do that job and a reasonable amount of money to live their lives. You know, that's the thing. Even in the smaller companies they do, <laughs> they can't afford, like, so a company like Freedoms can't afford to send its trainees like down to Mexico for six months room to season them and learn about different crowds and things like that. So this is a wonderful opportunity for them to grow in front of a different audience because the expectation on them is to be just as good as the rookies that are in New Japan Pro Wrestling or in NOAA or in All Japan, um, just in within their specific style. So to do that, they have to go out and learn stuff, and they can't just sit there and hope it'll come to them. So I think it's really good for the Japanese scene in that respect as well. Yeah. And you 
got me thinking of a poor young boy having well, to go what, on excursions yeah, to like Zona 23. You'll be amazed at this, like right? It, so it's really, back in the it's 80s, really tickling me on the inside. I'm not going to lie. You would send your young boy off on excursion. So let's say, oh, I don't know, you send them to go work for Otto Vance in Germany, right? Or in Austria. Go work for Otto for six months. They didn't keep them under contract. They're just like, go. You're on your own now. We've got you six months of booking with Otto. And Otto liked you or he didn't like you. <laughs> and if he liked you, you got booked. And if you didn't, starve. <laughs> and that was, that, was, that was it. That was the deal. And it was like, you know, Max Crabtree would end up with, in the early 80s, <laughs> Max Crabtree ended up with Akira Maeda and Satoru Sayama and they wrestled all over the UK and became massive stars in the UK before they went back to Japan. But, you know, I wonder how many didn't get as far as getting on British television and were working, working men's clubs in Manchester for six months. <laughs> <laughs> Just trying to figure out how to order, like, you know, get food and stay fit. And that's the kind of thing. I mean, I mean, Tajiri is probably one of the best examples of a guy who was in FMW, went off on excursion, and by the time he got back, FMW didn't exist anymore. So, you know, <laughs> is that. <laughs> so that's why he ended up in ECW and doing all his shows for them, ended up in the WWE. It worked out for him. I always The path least taken, some rookies who just got through all of the dojo training, got to, to the main roster, and then just were sent off the middle of nowhere and what happened to him. We will never know, but there you go. All right, then. Uh, where can we find you on the internet, Sana? That website, the one Twitter, it that one. Oh, that, it's called Twitter, uh, and I'm beer underscore underscore uncle. <laughs> has become ever the calling it this week. No, yes. no, 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 um, no. <laughs> oh, anywho, yes, find Anna there. Um, yes. you can hear my tags at the end of the show. Thank you very much for listening to to the Troopity Show today. We're going to take a small break, and we'll be back with news from Gleet. Thank you, Anna. <laughs> Today, we are going to look at G Pro, Great Glate G Pro Wrestling version 56 from Umeda Sky Building Stellar Hall, our favorite building on the Glate circuit, just because the name's amazing. Um, and we're going to look at the show before the big show, which will be Megaver, which is coming up in August from, uh, well, I think it's in Budokan Hall, which I'm quite surprised about. I don't think it's Budokan Hall. I think it's, I think it's Kurikan Hall, but we'll see. Anyway. Uh, to join me, as usual, is our great correspondent, Mr. Marcus Green. How are we doing, sir? Oh, good. Glad to be back. Um, this is the first time in a while. We, we're having a, a light load today, if you will. But, uh, you know, we <laughs> always try to... Yeah. Yeah, that was my fault. Um, when we originally planted it, we normally do glates in twos, because they normally do two shows in a week, and then we can all two shows in two weeks, and we kind of review them together. Because obviously not every show is massively important, but we try and review every show they do. Um, and then <laughs> I saw two shows, and I went, "Marcus, they've done two shows. We need to do a show." And then realised that one of the shows was actually a trailer for the Megaverse show, and they haven't actually put another show up yet. Sorry, Marcus. Oh uh, no, I'm not complaining. Uh, <laughs> it just, it just <laughs> give us give us more energy to, to cover that big dungeon show they're gonna do. Um, 
because you know it got to be, you know, when you do a trailer for a show that, that you know, yeah, it'll be big. Yeah. So this looking is, forward to this, it. This is going to be big um, from from what they're saying. Um, uh, I'm, I've got, we're, we're going to talk about a bit of a breakdown of the show matches coming up on that particular show because it, it's pretty insane, <laughs> to be honest with you. Um, they've got guests from all over the place. Um, it's essentially, um, it's essentially Glate versus the world, and we'll talk about those matches later, but let's get to this particular match. A particular card, it opened with a match featuring Kawakans going against each other for a change. So Jun Tunsho uh, teamed with Kazayashi and Yuisuke to go up against Yue Susumi, Minoru Tanaka, and Kiichi Sato. Now we've seen Susumi a bit more. He's appearing more regularly on great shows. Um, Kiichi Sato, of course, just left 60 seconds against his will. That will play into things that come darker on this particular show. Minoru Tanaka is, you know, friggin' Minoru Tanaka. On the other side, John Tuncho again, you know, second in command of 60 seconds up until it being broken up by um, uh, the, 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 the Dulk Orchestra. Um, Yuiska, our regular shoot-friendly kind of guy, and Kaz Hayashi, um, chief booker of the wrestling side of this particular company. Um, this was an interesting match. It was your usual opener, but what I found it interesting was Kiyoshi Sato got an awful lot of offense in and took the winning fall which, if you've been watching late, you'll realise that that's not happened much for him in the last 12 months. Marcus, your thoughts? Yeah, I dug it. You know, coming off of that that, that huge, great show that we just talked about, the anniversary, the anniversary show, uh, where some big stuff happened, both uh, excitingly and disappointingly. One, obviously, being a breakup of 60 seconds, it was just good to see those guys back together in some form. Mm-hmm. Um, um. And then you go over, you know, the other side of Noah Tanaka, you know, in case you say, though, obviously, Gleet never misses with these openers. But it was surprising to see, like you said, Sato get the winning fall. Usually, this, I think you probably agree this would be a spot safe for Tanaka, um, you know, pulling out a submission or something like that. But, uh, yeah, it was it was interesting to see. Like I said, I didn't expect it. I was hoping that, you know, uh, Tom showing and you and the Cavs would get the win just – you know, like I said, coming off that 60 seconds thing, you kind of want to get a silver lining, but it's great. It's a great three-way on both sides, so, you know. Yeah, it was a crack. Yeah. Uh, but we, we, there is dark foreboding in that win for Sato. Let's just say that. Let's just lay the story out there, and we'll move on. Next, Issei Onoskaya and Yusuke Kidama, um, he of the weird eyes, um, went up against Fire Katsumi and Sichi Ikimoto. We, first time we've seen Fire Katsumi, I think, I'm pretty sure. He is young. He's from uh, Just Tap Out. This will be his first great batch. Uh, so he'll be a protege of Yutaka Michinoku. He's very good. I liked him. He was cool. And my favorite thing about this match was Ikimoto encouraging Katsumi to do the top rope drop kick. And they're like, Ikimoto knows 17 different ways to break your arm, but no, what we really need right here is a top rope drop kick. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, this is great. This is amazing. I just love this idea of this like shoot specialist who's like really dead hard, encouraging his young protege to hit a drop rope drop kick and do regular wrestling moves rather than something that could actually win. Um, <laughs> but this was fun because Onitskaya is... 
he's slowly turning Janssen family into a babyface organization by purely being so purely um, innocent about the whole proceedings and presenting himself as, you know, just a member of Jan's family in such an honest and enthusiastic way. So enthusiastic that Kadama has started picking up on the things he's doing and doing them with him. So that's just funny to watch. And it's entertaining and it's cool. And, you know, we did say Yusuke Kadama just kind of like grow, grown in his role, as it were, over the last few months and is now kind of like one of the guys to watch in Glate, just not necessarily because of his darker character, but more necessarily because he's a really good worker. And he was all over the place in this match, so I really enjoyed this. What did you think of this one, sir? Yeah, I'm just enjoying more and more seeing uh, Kadama because he was kind of the one that I, you know, uh, was just kind of there for me at first with with, with Jan's family. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously Issei and and, and uh, Boito, you know, kind of stand out in that regard. So, you know, you didn't necessarily, you know, Kadama kind of sometimes just kind of, you know, fill in the, the spot and kind of move accordingly. But now I really feel like, you know, the last number of shows that we've covered, he's really stepped up and made himself you know, pretty much must see. Um, and obviously getting a pinfall in this match with a beautiful frog splash. Um, so yeah, it was it was cool to see. And it was also, you know, uh, nice being introduced to Fire Kasumi. So, you know, looking forward to potentially seeing more of him. But yeah, this was, you know, fair, nice thing about under 10 minutes. But uh, yeah, you know, y'all's family is uh, racking up these wins. Oh, definitely, yeah. Um, you know, it's, um, they've become such a kind of like, they started as a bit of a comedy footnote in one sense because it just seemed so ridiculous. And now they've become this whole entire thing. <laughs> and it's mainly down to one and, you know, the storyline they've had with him of just trying to kidnap him to make him a member and then eventually just persuading him it was a good idea. And he's just totally embraced it. And Onyx Guy is such a good character wrestler. Like, none of the of us speak Japanese, but we know exactly what's going on with Onoskaya because he just telegraphs everything. And and in an organization like Glate, which hasn't got the big TV presence, that's what you need. You need people who are big pantomime stars. And he's, he's exactly what you need to make this show seem bigger than it actually is. And I love the guy. Can't say enough about him. <laughs> um, what did you think of Fire Katsumi as a, his making his debut? Like I, I, I dug it. Like I said, I think um, you know, Glee's done a really great job. But uh, obviously, they, they kind of do it all over the, the thing. Like they they introduce some singles, some in tags, and then they they even done it with um, obviously, as as we've seen uh, with what happened with the uh, UWF. But they, they do a real good job of kind of easing some of these guys in, you know, in a tag team situation and getting us more comfortable with them. And then maybe, you know, transition them in a UWF or maybe a singles run. Because there's always, the competition is always so high at every level in the league. So, um, like I said, it's going to be interesting seeing exactly where and how he, you know, how much he develops. Potentially, maybe with another tag team part on another show. Because, you know, the whole, it's, like you said, say you trying to get him to do a top row docket. Like, it's not my thing, bro. <laughs> yeah, no, it's good. It's good. It was a lot of fun to watch, and yeah, just very, very cool. Next up, we had an interesting tag team match, which featured Junjay, who we have talked about before, because he's kind of on tour, on excursion, if you will, from China uh, to Glate. He's had eight years' experience. He is Chinese, um, and he's been doing strong. He's getting better and better and better. And then 
he tagged with the wonderfully named Magnitude Kishiwada, who I think we've seen on late shows before this year. No, just maybe this is his, he's had one, oh, he had one match last year. We would have seen him there. Uh, Kishiwada is a veteran of Japanese wrestling, 30-year pro, trained by Mr. Pogo, the madman of wing and FMW fame himself. This was not a death match by any stretch of the imagination, but it was a solid little outing, which kind of showed the dominance of Hartley Jackson and Katora Suzuki without Junjay and Kishiwada getting their heads kicked in. It was a nice piece of work, a nicely balanced piece of work, if you will. One could say a Black Generation International kind of fitting into the general over of Gleet and aren't necessarily as antagonistic as they once were. Would I be correct, sir? No, I think you would. I mean, look, we, we're seeing, you know, shifting with things off. Like I said, coming off the anniversary show, certain things happened. Um, you know, if, if we just talk about that anniversary show, I'd, I'd say that that all female faction is, would be running things that we saw more. Because <laughs> um, uh, yeah, that was just a massacre. I think Black Generation is, is you know, uh, getting to a situation to regain some more, more momentum because they had it, you know, uh, so much of it as they were forming. And obviously with their leader, you know, having a championship that just had all the momentum. And then, you know, with, with you know, Borg Orchestra, you know, refining their footing. And then, you know, we're seeing the rise of Jan's family and, you know, uh, kind of the fall of 60 Seconds. And then we got the rise of uh, those two uh, big big boys as the new tag champions. A lot of stuff, there's a lot of power dynamics is shifting. But I think, you know, Black, you know, they still, you know, some of the top dogs because they just get, they got too many hitters. Honestly, when you see them all together, like it's insane, you know, how many, you know, uh, aces they have. But, uh, yeah, not necessarily as, to your point, as deadly as when they initially took over. But that's the great thing about Glee. It's not just one uh, thing. The momentum shifts, uh, you know, pendulum kind of swings all over the place, which keeps you invested in everybody on the roster, not just in one main group. It's not like a, you know, this ain't like Glee's uh, Bullet Club or anything, you know. No, for sure. It, it's not, you don't tend to get dominating factions like you do, like currently United Empire is kind of on the rise in New Japan Pro Wrestling, that's the dominant faction, they're the ones that are kind of getting all the titles and, you know, um, stressing all the storylines and they're kind of involved with two companies because you've got two of them in AEW and so on. Uh, this is a bit more like, you know, it's obviously it's much more self-contained, though there are things that are not self-contained about it because people go off and do other things. Um, but equally, it's kind of in its own universe, and the things that go on in Glate only go on in Glate. I think it's something they picked up from Hustle uh, in that sense. When I look at Glate, there's so many influences of little bits. The obvious influence is Dragon Gate, because the company's based around some of the core Dragon Gate wrestlers in El Lindemann and T-Hawk and the Strong Hearts guys. And then um, you kind of like have influences of all Japan in the sense of the in-ring style is very King's Road and, you know, it's very wrestling-based. There's a lot of lucha because of the Dragon Gate stuff, but it's very kind of like wrestling moves-based. Then you've got the obvious UWFI and UWF influences because there's a division called the UWF division. Um, but one of the things that kind of like reminds me of, of other things is Hustle in the sense that Hustle was its own universe. And the only things that happened in Hustle, and some of the things were absolutely ridiculous, the only things that happen in Hustle happen in Hustle. Like, 
Aja Kong and Awesome Kong had a tag team in Hustle where they played sisters. And um, they were childish sisters that suck on, sucked on lollies as they got to the ring. Um, and it was one of the most over things both of them ever did. They loved doing it because they didn't have to wrestle particularly hard. Um, and they were sisters, so they beat other people up because protect each other's sisters. And they were the tag team champions. And you know what? The Dudley boys couldn't beat them. And that made me smile. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, because obviously Hustle was Hustle was owned by the same group that owned Pride and K1. So they had bags of money and they would just throw money at production and hire people for ridiculous fees. Like they got Mick Foley as Cactus Jack whilst he was still under the gun of WWF at the end of his run. Right. <laughs> to go wrestle Kawada. <laughs> yeah, that kind of let you know. I mean, you know, that, that Vince thumb is heavy, so that kind of let you know like the dollar amount they got thrown. I have no idea how much they pay Vince to do that, but you know, that's that that's you know, they did all sorts of things like for these ridiculous super shows that full of full of arenas, and it was like it was a time when the Japanese wrestling business was kind of on the downward swing and they were kind of like swinging for the fences and, and hitting a lot of the time. Me and John looked at some Boston TV shows because they did a TV show as well, like a weekly episodic TV format. And it's where Tai Chi cut his teeth as a character. You know, him and he was Kawada's, um, he was Kawada's boy and, you know, his, his apprentice and stuff. And he was a young baby face tag team wrestler in old Japan and he would team with Kawada and he would get his head kicked in and Kawada would come and save him. And that was kind of like the TV show. It was, like the, it was the big daddy thing, really. And then um, when he left for New Japan, he became this awkward, um, resentful <laughs> horror of a human being that we now know and love as Tai Chi. <laughs> um, but yeah, it does remind me of the sense of this. They do the big cards, with, and, but everything's, everything that goes on in Glate goes on in Glate, and it doesn't necessarily translate outside of Glate. You know, things are always going to be the same. Like, Harley Jackson's still a heel in Gamenbrae and DDT, but he's, you know, he's not... In, in Glate, he's a different kind of character to where he is there. Does that make sense? Yeah, and I was going to ask you while you were talking about that, because I guess you would know more than me, because it's just... It was uh, not the easiest product to find, but I always heard stuff about it. Does that kind of harken back to some stuff in similar fashion to maybe like a Shakara, where it's kind of like isolated? Yeah, yeah, you're right. I mean, I like Shakara was booked around a bunch of characters that were, you know, there was cross promotion from time to time. They had that synergy series with Ring of Honor. Um, and 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 things like that, but it allowed them to do all sorts of different things. Like Orange Cassidy was also firing, you know. Um, Chucky Chuck Taylor <laughs> was also the swamp monster. <laughs> I have to, I can't stop laughing at the entire concept of the swamp monster. Chuck should bring it back. Chuck was the Chuck was the swamp monster, which was literally a swamp monster, and it was a guy in a suit. And it sometimes was Chuck, but sometimes it wasn't Chuck. Um, and um, he would like just kind of stand there and run the ropes and then just bounce out of the way. And it was just brilliant. It was just like comedy genius. Um, but again, like 
Chuck's involvement with the Swamp Monster, well, that was it. <laughs> you know, it was only, only happened in Shikara. But yeah, very much in that sense. Um, my favourite thing about the Swamp Monster, the Swamp Monster was gay. Um, and um, I'm trying to remember who's, who it is now. Um, Mr. No Days Off, what's his name? Uh, oh, no well, days off, no days off. Oh, shoot. Oh. <laughs> then GPW strong champion a couple months back. They lost it to Kenta. And I'm trying to be. Uh, there, there, there. This is because I'm getting old and my brain is like no longer. It's also one of these things because so many people kind of almost use the same monikers now, but at different times. Yeah, Fred. <laughs> Fred, Fred Rosser, Ross, Ross, there you go. So Fred Rosser, um, yeah, Fred Rosser is gay. And so Chuck Taylor strikes as like, was obviously the voice of Swamp Monster on social media. So he tried, Swamp Monster tried um, to ingratiate himself to Fred Rosser to see if he would like to go on a date sometime, which was just innocent, cute fun. Uh, but was pretty funny. And uh, so, because he's Swamp Monster. It doesn't really, you know, exist. But yeah, that's, that was kind of the the thing there. Um, so yeah, no, I would, and yeah, you're right. I think that's the thing is I don't think it's as strong as Blake because Blake, uh, sorry, strong as Shikara was because Shikara was definitively its own universe um, and with things that would stretch out. And Blake's more of a wrestling company. But yes, there is parallels between the two. So yes, it was a good good analysis there. And, and yeah, I would agree with you. Um, other stuff happened after this match, though, didn't it? Because your leader of your um, your glade there, uh, that would be your um, <laughs> Kato Ishida, came out and offered a position, a job, if you will, to Yuyo Susumi and to Kiechi Sato, who he was very impressed with after their efforts in the opening match. Now, uh, Susumi turned him down. Um, because he's, you know, a standing upright young chap. But Sato, obviously, clearly the man who was most upset by the breaking up of 60 seconds, because he felt his efforts were not rewarded, considering, to be fair, he'd wrestled most of the match, um, and the other two lost the match, um, decided that it was time for a change and joined Black Generation International. What's your thoughts on this one, sir? Yeah, I mean, you know, it's, it's kind of like, like you said, he, he went where he thought he'd be appreciated. And, and I guess, you know, not not tolerated one of those situations. Um, and I get it. You know, there's a lot of feelings coming off that. Not, not just the fact, the fact that, you know, he feel like he didn't get what was going to him. But, you know, he obviously fought that hard because he did want the faction to break up. But, you know, um, he still necessarily hasn't purged those feelings right now. And, you know, you see him being able to get some wins uh elsewhere and, and maybe go somewhere where he can you know be something you know that he wasn't able to be with the 60 seconds uh now they're not necessarily saying he's about to pull a you know a evil um but uh yeah i mean it's it, like i said they they get stronger they get stronger about they once you look at the faction as a whole you you if you saw a picture like who was going to beat these guys um and obviously that was a running there for a minute but you know like i said you know the, the power dynamic shifts back and forth uh, because of the way Glee con consistently books. But um, it's interesting. Like I said, if they can't get back together, I think this was only the next logical stuff. We'd see guys uh, either turning turning other things or, or going elsewhere. So we'll see how this works out. It sucks, like I said, but, you know, it's kind of how I guess the proverbial cookie crumbles. Huh? Yeah, I mean, it's, 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 
Are you suggesting suggesting this was a a morally correct way of turning heel? I mean, (laughs) (laughs) that's 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 a good one. You stumped me there because it's Mm. it's like. I mean, it, it, to your to your point, it might it might be in that fashion because it's it's not like he joined bulk orchestra, and was a situation where it's like, well, I couldn't beat him, you know. Yeah. Uh, which would have came off kind of kind of raunchy, but you know, it, this might have been a way to do that, and maybe we see a conflict of 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 uh, conscience where you know he wants to you know be on the winning side, but doesn't necessarily agree with all of what happens. So we'll we'll see. You know, uh, him turning uh, down that offer was a, it, it was a big deal, but it also kind of it, it immediately puts you in the way his mindset at coming off of you know that loss. I will say though, <laughs> Kato Ishida is the one that insisted from Black Generation International is the reason why Borko Orchestra in sixty seconds had the match where they had to split up. And arguably, this could have been him trying to break up 60 seconds in the hope of being able to pick off, pick off the pieces, if you see what I mean. So I think I find that intriguing. It's there's there's, there's layers to this. And I'm just, impressed. Just, just that you just that you planted planted that seed. I want to see that like long term book <laughs> and, and brought full circle to the next anniversary show. Mm, yeah. The way it's, 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 maybe it's a situation where. He eventually becomes like champion, and then uh, the other member of 60 Seconds is the one that's challenging him. And it's like it was a setup the whole time. You broke us up so you could go and be the guy, like when you didn't have to. That that could be a great long term full circle thing. Mm. We'll have to see. Next up was some bulk orchestra business. Quiet Storm and Ryuichi Kawakami have not been getting on well ever since Kawakami came back in February, I think it was, from injury and promptly cost them match after match after match after match. Kawakami's record since he came back from injury is atrocious. <laughs> Let's see. Career, uh, yeah, it's career, isn't it? That's what I'm looking for. Uh, his match, where he's had, I'm trying to remember, like, match guide, tag teams, ratings, comments, themes. Sorry, we're looking at the, um, uh, the cage match, match statistics. Here we are. Sorry, I keep looking at the wrong thing. In 2023, he's won three matches out of 11. <laughs> Which, you know, in comparison to previous years, 17 out of 27. 23 out of 37, 49 out of 86 in 2020. His, his win-loss record has been abysmal. And Quiet Storm was not so quiet about the fact that, A, you're supposed to be our leader, and B, you're a bit shit, and you need to sort yourself out some. And so to sort this all out, they had a match, which Quiet Storm was incredibly impressive in, because Quiet Storm's just a beast of a human being, and Kawakami was a lot of fun to watch as well. But un- unsurprisingly, Quiet Storm won, <laughs> which has put Kawakami back in this particular place. And though he is still leader, uh, I feel that um, his uh, leadership, how can I put this? His leadership is kind of like tacit on what Storm, Tamora, and Chek Shimitani can put up with. <laughs> Am I right? <laughs> No, you're right. Like, and I think that, I mean, again, this is one of those great situations where 
you know, uh, as, as a fan who's very much used to uh, the Americanized stuff, specifically with the English commentary, like, again, the great thing about Bleed, they tell you everything. You never need to be able to understand the word of it. Because mm. um, mm-hmm. of what you watch, you get a great match. It was basically a hoss-off. The match was a hoss-off. And uh, Quiet Storm was like, okay, you know what? I'm going to work smarter, not harder. Got the, got the you know, schoolboy. Stacked him and packed him. But the after the afterwards, and this is this is how you know again, credit to the storyteller. The crowd was like <laughs> like I was able to understand more what the crowd was saying than what was going on in the ring. Because of what the, the emotion was like, no 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 <laughs> And then because it was like, look, man, like and to your point, what you said, he you know, Quiet Storm was like, Yeah, I beat you and 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 you know, again. You know, you kind of got your head up, your proverbial rear end, but you need to, like, this ain't over. Like, you need to, you still need to straighten yourself out. And then the team, like, look, man, we're boys, we're brothers, we need to fix this, mend this, we can work this out as a unit. You don't need to, you know, go off. And, you know, they, they got Storm eventually back on the side, but I know Storm's kind of said, like, look, man, we got to get back to where we were. Like, if you can't lead, you know, that's that's one thing, but we can't, you know. <laughs> We are the one of the pillars, if not the pillar in this thing. This ain't good. Like I beat you, it ain't no point in me beating you if it don't get to a resolution. So either we're gonna work this out and be, you know, and essentially that's what it was. We're gonna see because to be fair, anybody that's been consistently listening, you've been calling out his losing streak since he's been back. Um, so we'll we'll see how it works out. Maybe this is uh the thing he needed to kind of you know, like you said, get his act together. But it was. It was pushing it for a minute because if you're coming off of the anniversary show, it's not like Bleed is scared about pulling triggers on certain stuff, you know. So, mm, mm-hmm. have to see. But yeah, this is going to be um, an intriguing story for Bull Clockers moves forward. I have a feeling things might quiet down for a while as long as Kawakami keeps himself in his box. Um, but we'll see because he, he, he can't. <laughs> that's, the, that's essentially the main thing. Um, semi-final time, Shigehira Iri and T-Hawk of Strong Hearts um, went up against Bulk Orchestra, Hayato Tamora and Kazuma Sakamoto. 16 minutes and 5 seconds of a blisteringly good uh, tag team match because everyone in this match can go. Shigehira Iri, as we've said before, is a member of Strong Hearts but is not on the late roster. So he likes going off and, and doing other stuff. I believe he was challenging for the DD, uh, DDT Championship not long ago. Um, he's just done a tour of the UK. Uh, he goes all over the place. He, he does stuff. I'm sure. I'm sure he's on the card. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he's on the card for um, GCW's uh, show with Freedoms, which I'm going to record a review of with Anna soon. Um, yeah, he's on that card as well. <laughs> not in a death match. He's not a death match guy, but he doesn't mind doing a bit of brawling. And he's really good at it. But he's really good at most everything. My favourite bit of this match was he, I think he dropped uh, Sakamoto on Tamura. <laughs> and then just got up and smiled because he was so proud of himself for doing something so violent. Yeah, yeah, that doggone Centon Powder, I've never seen that before. That's yeah, yeah, he was all. He never ceases to, to amaze me. No, he's. I don't quite. I, I get that he's kind of like a guy that roams around, but I don't get why 
New Japan or NOAA or All Japan have said, stand still, earn some serious money, get stuff done. Like, I can understand why, you know, if you started Dragon Gate with the rest of Strong Hearts and he probably had enough of being in one place all the time and wanted to get the variation in his career, which is fine, that's cool. Lots of people have done it and earned a lot of money doing it. Um, but equally, he's a guy who can have a match with anybody. He's he's a junior heavyweight-style wrestler in a big man's body. Why hasn't someone gone, we need to put a belt on you for six months and you need to beat everybody and make that belt look amazing and give it to somebody else? Why haven't they done that? I don't get it. But anyway. I, I don't know. It's always interesting to me because he's a he's a unique one. He kind of reminds me of uh, you know, in, in an elk or somebody like a like what we get with Jeff Cobb in some ways. Like we just don't necessarily get a lot of guys like that. Um, and I don't know. Maybe they just feel like he's just that 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 all purpose guy that doesn't necessarily need a title, but it's like that's the guy you could kind of build you know build stuff around because he's you know and Glee benefits from having so many like five two players in a lot of ways but uh mm-hmm. he, he's he's mm-hmm. definitely one of one of those key guys and i think like you said to your point they need to put him in a more prominent uh thing because he's like one of the elite guys that kind of stays on almost on the outside of all the good you know good title contention and stuff which i don't necessarily know is his choice so he's kind of cool where he's at but if it was Obviously, we were booking that he'd be a far more prominent, you know, fixture. Yeah, I mean, it's really difficult to put a long-term investment on a guy you haven't got signed under a long-term contract. And I suppose, you know, and you know he's going to wander off and, oh, I want to do a tour of Australia because Deathmatch down underneath me. All right, then. You know, that kind of thing. I understand why they haven't put him in a more prominent place. I just don't understand why someone hasn't just... Brought a truckload of money to his house. <laughs> but yeah, uh, the main impetus of this match, by the way, uh, was uh, the fact that Hayato Tamora is going up against T Hawk on that big versus show for the great G Rex Championship. There was actually a contract signing at the opening of the show, which we didn't cover because it's a contract signing. So we'll talk about that now because, you know, in great contract signing, no one turns the table over and, you know, beats up their opponent. They, they just respectfully have photos taken and wear their medals proudly because they're professionals. You know, professional wrestling. That's what it says on the tin. Anyway, uh, what did you think of this matchup overall, Marcus? No, it was, I mean, you know, like I said, it was a uh, strong horse versus bulk. It's, it's song as old as time, right? <laughs> um, there was all this time, all this rhyme, no, all that. It's it's never a bad mixture of, of any combination of these two um, factions coming together to get a good 16 minutes of uh, just some good stuff. T Hawk is, is obviously the man, and um, you know, coming off of what what is a presumably a reunion, you know, putting tomorrow with with Sakamoto, it was just good, just good stuff, and uh, you know. One of those rare occasions again with you know strong horse pulls it out because again past history building up everything it was always bulk with the classic bulk tactics get the win and what have you but again key roles is, is a big difference maker there and uh but i don't i think it was uh i think it was t-hawk that pulled out the win with the knee correct so yeah, yeah that was that was just good stuff you know 
yeah, we've got lots of stuff moving forward with that particular match. So we move on to the main event, which was random. <laughs> I think it's the best thing to say, isn't it? Czech Shamitani of Bulk Orchestra tagged with L. Lindemann of Strong Hearts and the regular army, Soma Watanabe. They went up against Galeno Dalmal from Bulk Orchestra, Jan Family's Takanori Ito, and Tetsuya Iduchi, formerly of 60 Seconds, and now a free agent. Uh, this went for 15 minutes and 28 seconds. Everyone gelled and worked together nicely, which we don't quite get very often when we get these crossover tag matches. In fact, that Lindemann and Czech Shimitani were absolutely astounding together. Their work rate together was incredible. Um, and this was leading to something at the end, which we'll talk about because it leads us to the next particular event. But this match was great to watch. What did you think of this one, Marcus? Yeah, I never complain about this type of randomness. Uh, it, like I said, it, outside of just looking at it on paper, like that's that's a hell of a gumbo. It's good, you know, because when you see when you have guys like you know, uh, Ira or or you know Del Mall or Harley Jackson, they change the entire dynamics of matches. They just do. Um, but here it's like. You know, you look at it, and like you said, with Linderman and 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 Shimatana working so good, and then you know we've been constantly continuing to praise, you know, Soma coming off of a great match. Um, you know, they managed to, to get out there and pull out a very uh, significant win. Um, and, and and you can't you can't really lose in this type of main event because, like you said, it's it's basically the top guys, you know, just brawling all out. And uh, again. You know, it's kind of just a, you know, it's kind of almost like an all-star match. So, um, it's great. And then the internet with that great, you know, the classic German and what have you, courtesy of Linderman. Uh, and like you said, the, the consequences of said match is even more interesting, which Glee does a great job. It's like, we just gave you a, you know, a five-star. Now, this is immediately what's coming next, so. Yeah, definitely. Um, because after the match, we had, well, <laughs> something a bit special happened. After the match, there was a lot of consultation and, and a breakdown um, at, uh, between everybody involved. And it was kind of like a discussion of where people were at in Glate. Um, and generally speaking, not that we could understand it, but what we could figure out was um, basically... Um, where are we? I've got my pictures up here. So basically, what happened was, um, uh, where are we? Uh, so I've got to get the right match. <laughs> so I've got to get the right match up. Um, oh, where has it gone? I'll look at it in a second and find it on here. So basically, uh, the match that we're going to talk about, which is going to be the main event of this show, is the return of Kotobushi to Japanese wrestling for the first time in over two years, um, not with New Japan Pro Wrestling, but with Glate, um, which is quite incredible, really. Um, and essentially, he's put together a team of freelancers. And there was a need for a Glate home team, an all-star team, to take on Kotobushi's all-stars. So Czech Shimatami and Al Linderman said, we're going to do this together. Samuel Watanabe said, I'm in. 
And Takanura Ito will also say that I'm in. And who else should come down the line? But uh, yeah, Yukichi Ishida there from uh, your Black Generation International. He said he's in too. So it's Glee versus Kota Ibushi's All Stars um, at Glee Mega Version uh, coming up in. Uh, it's the eighth, isn't it? Yeah, coming up next week, and that's going to be your main event. Um, man, you're gonna to need to find four other cold old bougies, man. <laughs> Come on, Come on. oh, you got Chek Shimatani, Ido. Oh my god, yeah, this this gonna be, yeah, yeah, it's it's all <laughs> all of the aces of their particular groups all together on one team. Uh, I mean, Kawhi, I'm, tr- I'm just trying to find the Bushi's um, uh, lineup here. Uh, yeah, I haven't got a listing of it. I, just try- I was just trying to find it because it's on the Glates, um, Glates Twitter card. I'm just trying to find the particular match because it lists them. Uh, oh, yeah, here we go. This is it. It will be... Kotobushi, Shuju Ishikawa, New Blade, and Yumeti Imanari going up against El Lindemann, Soma Watanabe, Takanori Ito, Chekshimitami, and Keito Ishida. I'm guessing that Ibushi's got one more guy to come. Um, so they're, they're an Andy bunch of lads. <laughs> they're not all in Kotobushi's kind of level, so I think is going to be doing a lot, of the, a lot of the heavy lifting. But we'll see. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, look, I don't, you know, fighting spirit is a real thing, but these guys on the Glee Home team, that's a hell of a squad. I appreciate the fact that even with everything we've seen that's going on, it's all about the brand first. Because for the leader of Black Generation International to come down and be like, look, y'all can't leave me out of this. Like, we're not finna, (laughs) you know, we're not finna come here and let an away team beat us. Like, we got too many hitters. Like, the, the crazy thing is, they could have just let Black Generation put a lineup up, <laughs> honestly. <laughs> but but the fact that it's it's Lindemann, it's Zito, it's Watanabe, like it's it's even like kind of uh, a great look at the at the levels of of the the, the tier talent and glee as well. Like two former champions, you know, obviously Ito is coming off of you know being a UWF. Uh, Watanabe is 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 on a lot of these guys' heels, and, and yeah, man, it's just like you said, it'll feel like Cole's put could be putting in a lot of work. Obviously, it's in, in his first batch back, but like you said, uh, in the Japanese sector, so um, we gonna see. But I, I, you didn't call out a name that was like, oh, okay, he got like a Kenny Omega replacement. No, <laughs> <laughs> they're Andy, but they're not that Andy, so we'll see. But let's have a look at the rest of this here particular card. Uh, we have, of course, T-Hawk defending against Toyota Tomorrow. Toyota Tomorrow. That is for the G-Rex Infinity Championship. What's your thoughts on that one, Marcus? Because it's going to be a banger. There is no two ways about it. They're just both too good. But who's talking away with this championship? Because this is the first time I think T-Rex has a... Sorry, I think it's the first time I think T-Hawk has a genuine threat to the championship. Yeah, like I mean, I, I've yet to see a, a, a G Rex Championship match. I didn't like it. It's, it's, it was it was so 
felt like on a different level, even when it was Lindemann's champion. Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, and and that's coming off of a great match with Watanabe. So you even saying that kind of tells you all you kind of need to know. And just again, great thing about Gleejus, when you think they can't turn that dial up another level, you know. So um, always looking forward to a, a you know a G Rex Championship match. Yeah, definitely. We'll see how that goes. Um, also on the card, older generation versus younger generation as Shima, Minoru Tanaka, and Kaz Hayashi, Colocants, if you will, take on Soma Watanabe, raising Hayato, and Himoru Takahashi. The IWGP light heavyweight, Sui Junior heavyweight champion, the former All Japan Junior heavyweight champion. Um, so it's not it's not someone now, it's John Tonsho. We're talking about someone now. John uh, Tonsho against Collicants, two of the biggest names in junior heavyweight wrestling coming to this show is just incredible. Um, but this has Joe's Steeler written all over it, and I'm really looking forward to this. This is the thing that's probably one of the things that's got me really excited about this card. Yeah, I always appreciate the fact that you know some of the names they can put, and they do a great job with that too. Uh, you see them putting in some um, OGs, if you will, veterans, like when they do the UWF matches, and they come in and put in some work, as we've seen. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I I can't lie, I gotta I gotta I gotta pull. Even though my my boys from sixty seconds on the other side, I gotta pull with cold hands. Cold hands, man. It's uh, you know, it's 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 like you know, going back if we talk New Japan, it's like putting you know, um, Tanahashi, you know, with Blue Justice, and you know, maybe uh, Ishii or something, you know, so. Mm. It's a, it's a junior heavyweight version of like some big hitters coming to town. Um, yeah. And Hiromu Takahashi and Rising Hayato, like I've said, they should just really, you know, book places at school for the kids. They are in love with one another. And it's nice to see them teaming together instead of hitting each other. <laughs> um, next up, we have a tag team title match for the G Infinity Tag Team Championships. That would be um, your leader of your. Um, um, uh, <laughs> your leader of your bulk orchestra there, Reichi Kawakami, along with his partner, Galino Del Mal, going up against the Sato brothers. Bulk orchestra had the title shot, and they gave it to the big lads and see if they can get the job done against Age of the Voodoo Monsters champion. <laughs> Voodoo Monsters um, uh, monster champions. I hope it's better than the last one, because it wasn't that great. But I think this might be... Um, a bit more even as far as the size is concerned. What's your thoughts on this one? Well, yeah, bite off, bite off something you're going to have to, you know, <laughs> bite off some your own size, you know. Like you said, the last match, you had some fight in it, but it was almost, it's pretty much a foregone conclusion. Like I said, you basically, ch- you know, a lot of these matches are seeing these, you know, opponents trying to chop down two redwoods. Um, it's just that the, the axes just, they get dull before they get a chance to really, you know, get it finished and then, you know, it's a retention. So I'm looking forward to seeing this. And I think if anybody can finally, you know, get to knock these guys off, it's, it's bulk. And, uh, you know, Galeno, uh, I mean, that mile is, is the equalizer in most situations. So we'll see how this uh, goes. They may very well have to cheat to retain, but we'll see. Yeah, 
I mean, they, they all call it a voodoo master, so you can't leave it out of the realm of possibility. Indeed. Um, uh, so the next match is a UWFI rules, well, UWF rules match, which pits Shinya Aoki of DDT tagging with Minoru Suzuki of New Japan Pro Wrestling. Going up against the current Lidate Junior UWF champion Fuji Hayato and Yuiska in a match that, well, <laughs> it will be technical, it will be stiff. There is a strong chance someone can get hurt. I'm going to say that now because all four of these guys are stiff as houses, and this is going to be a blessed event. What's your thoughts on this one, sir? You know, I always say in these situations, it, grab the icy hot. Get it ready. <laughs> Get it ready. Oh, oh definitely. Uh, we have got Black Black or Generation International with um, Sato, Katori Suzuki, Yutani, and uh, Hartley Jackson going up against Jack Cartwheel. Um, uh, looking at my list of people because I'm having to make this up as I go along. Uh, where are we going? Uh, no, it wasn't him. <laughs> Junjay. Shigehiro Iri and Kenta Miyahara. An eight-way tag team match. What's your thoughts on this one? Uh gonna be another side outing, but uh again, any combination of, of BG uh BGI is a lethal combination. I'm going with them. Oh yeah, definitely. Now the last, the last time these two factions met, essentially the good girls and the bad girls, um we mentioned the fact that the, the bad girls were really, really good, and and Jan Okai, Ao, Michiko Miyagi, and Reza Sarah could pretty much destroy everybody in the company if they show choose, and are just letting everyone live because they can, and therefore they were way cooler than the people they went up against. <laughs> they were supposed to like, which is Yunagi, Saeki, Yuki Harukawa, Hosokawa, Raiding Haganani, and Itsuki Yoke. Well. Sayaki and Hasekawa went and got some ringers, and more importantly, they, they got Kiyoki Inoue, legendary leader of Diana Pro Wrestling, and perhaps most importantly, Michiko Miyagi's senpai from Sendai Girls Wrestling, Dash Chisako, otherwise known as the Queen of the Deathmatch, Dash Chisako, a person I have personally seen. <laughs> personally seen put women through tables at an alarming rate of knots. And interestingly, I followed Michiko Miyagi on um, Instagram this week, and she posted some more pictures of her Sendai Girls days, and she said, I haven't spoken to Dash in a while, but all I remember is bad memories. Dun, dun, dun. Your thoughts, sir? This is where uh, confidently uh and graciously lean more towards your wisdom on all this. Uh, more so with obviously the names that you're familiar with. But when it's come to Glee, whether it's been a singles tag, regular tag, or eight man, or certainly UWF, anytime you've mentioned the name and followed it with something, something of the death match, <laughs> it's always shifted the entire dynamic of the match. Uh, so, I'm just looking forward to this one. Ain't no point even be calling it. Again, the women always deliver. Um, but the fact that there's a possibility that, that you know, the, 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 the good home team has 
found a way to grab some names to match what we saw coming off of that anniversary show. Yeah, I don't even want to potentially try to debate what's going to happen. I just want to enjoy it. It's going to be good. It's going to be good. Um, next up, we have um, a kind of bulk orchestra plus match. Um, uh, Initskaya and Takamichinoku um, will be tagging together with another gentleman, honestly, whose name escapes me. I've not seen him wrestle before, and he's on the I'm looking at his picture, and I can't find it. I'm sure we will do in the end. I've drawn a blank. I'm very sorry. Uh, going up against um, Quiet Storm, which, you know, cool, yeah, Quiet Storm. Um, and uh, he's tagging with his regular partners from Glates, um Bulk Orchestra Faction, um, which is... I'll put a little big gap in whilst I try and remember this one. Where is he? Where is he? Oh, sorry about this. Kazuma Sakimoto. But interestingly, they have managed to get, as their partner, um, that'll be your uh, Masakatsu Finaki there, of, uh, of you know as Congo faction. Um, Finaki, you may remember as a guy who trained with Ken Shamrock <laughs> and is quite hard. Um, genuine badass shooter, former IWGP World Heavyweight Champion. I think he was the he was the Noah national champion. We dropped that title to El Hijo del Dr. Wagner Jr. Um, but yeah, this should be intriguing. Big lads versus small lads with one big lad whose name I can't figure out who it is. Anywho, <laughs> your thoughts, sir? Well, Orchestra Plus, and what's the other side of the team? Uh, Masanaki Funaki from um, uh, Noah, currently, but former IWGP World's Heavyweight Champion, or former IWGP Heavyweight Champion, uh, former King of Pancras, um, won loads of MMA fights. Legend in his own lunchtime kind of guy. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's that's almost on Suzuki level. Um, yeah, I might I might lean towards. I mean, because they can be beaten, so I might lean more towards former uh, King of Pancrase on this one. Okay, that's sounds cool. Um, right then, who else have we got? The opening match is going to be Yuya Susumu tagging with someone else. Where swear was on the last show? He was in the opening match on the last show. It wasn't Junji. Uh, no, apparently it wasn't. No. Oh, yeah, it was Hanoka. That was the guy. Um, they're tagging up against Yan's family. And that is the lineup of... Wrong thing. Where are we? Uh, Masato Kamino and Yusuke Kodama. So the two guys who aren't signed to Glade. <laughs> um, of Jan's That's always interesting. As an Empire fan, it's always talk about like putting investment in guys that aren't necessarily signed um, long-term in a way, but yeah, I'm not. I'm not going to deter myself. Wait, like I said, I think Jan's fans have been picking up some really consistent and good momentum. I'm gonna go with them here uh, because they've proven that not even with 
not even with uh, their strongest lineup, they're still like some of them, you know, the guys to be reckoned with. So, Adama and who else? East. Uh, um, Masato Kamino, the Basara heavyweight champion, the blonde lad. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. So, if Adama's involved, I'm, I'm going to put my money on him. Okay, then. We also have two great MMA matches on this show. Mia Fukuda is going up against Nao, which, if I remember correctly, they had a wrestling match not long ago, and Nao lost, didn't she? Yeah, you know me here. I can't, I can't bet against my girls. Hey, there you go. And Tetsuya Izuki is going to go up against Akihiro Gono in an MMA fight. Um, Akihiro Gono, remember last time when we had Matthew with us on the late MMA show, and Matthew suggested that certain MMA promoters may put older fighters on a card to give a younger fighter a bit of a chance. This gentleman has had over 60 fights. So, which goes to show that he might be really good or not. <laughs> so we don't know. I have no idea. I'm not an MMA fan. Do you think we should talk to Matthew and see if he's available to watch the next show with us? Yeah, that, you know, shout out to Matthew for last time. That was a fun, fun show to review, and then uh, just his expertise with that was that made the show more interesting. Like brought another perspective to it and made it funnier. Um, <laughs> so yeah, you know, uh, definitely, you know, uh, put a line out to him. But yeah, I'm not even gonna call that because, like I said, I've been the thing I've been most surprised with. Was come to greet has been these UWF matches because it's like okay this is clearly going wait a minute what happened he was up for <laughs> wait wait what happened he was up for like what <laughs> so you know that that's the good and the and the and the kind of drawback specifically if you're overly confident on one guy so yeah I'm not even gonna call that because it's somebody like I said these OGs have really come in and shown and proved uh, specifically when it's come to patience with, with these matches like I said it's human chess. And, uh, you know, a lot of these guys have pulled out checkmate out of the jaws of defeat, you know. So. All right, then. I'm going to talk to Matt and we'll, uh, we'll get him on the show. Um, uh, for the next one, we hope, we hope anyway, if he's available. We'll sign out. Anyway, so that show will be, um, he says, trying to figure it all out. Where are we? Great. Next show should be on. Uh, it's got a list of their shows. Coming up, I think that's on the third. Translates the next show will be. Um, did you do serious smell? Next play, they've got. I mean, they put the list of dates up, but they haven't put the actual date of the. Oh, here we go. Fourth of August. That's it. So that is next Thursday, next Friday, next Friday morning. You want to be sat in front of your telly on your YouTube there watching this show it usually comes on around about 10 o'clock in the morning because obviously like new japan shows they've got to put the show on after people finish working up the tea so yeah usually about half 10 in the morning and you can watch the whole thing live on youtube free of charge i believe it is on youtube i'm sure it will be on youtube sooner or later so we may have a show next weekend if that's all right with you marcus yeah, very much like I said, looking forward to it. And because we, we got this one out the way, we can put all our energy into this kind of mega show. Absolutely, so. definitely. So then, we will probably be back next week with that. Where can we find you on the internet, sir? Yes, sir, I will be on the X app. 
we all know, we know but the, the deceased bird now x app the continued hellscape with a different logo uh paradox kid that's p-a-r-a-d-o-x-k-i-d always down the chat maybe you should change your name to paradox where uh what would it paradox twitter paradox twitter kid <laughs> okay uh, yeah um have you seen what he's done today <laughs> No, no, I haven't. I just no. He's he's apparently you will X. Well, I said Twitter will only available in dark mode after a while because it's superior in every way. Yes, I'm sure it is. Except if you've got site issues that you on course, and then it might cause you a few problems having everything white on a black background. You moron. But there you go. Anyway, level of entitlement staggering for a white cis male. So there you go. <laughs> anyway, you can find the Troopany Show on um, bleh, on Twitter, Troopany Show, and on Instagram, Troopany Show. Um, and you can also find us on Facebook and Patreon where you keep Troopany Show free forever for everyone. If you want to talk to me, feel free. Um, just shout at me in the street. Uh, I am on Twitter under ShowFloneStar. I'm also on Mastodon at ShowFloneStar on Cam, which server it is, but you search Sheriff Lone Star, you'll find me. Uh, and Instagram, Sheriff Lone Star TX. So that's more kind of like pictures and guitar y stuff and cars and things. Anywho, thank you very much for listening to the Troopity Show today. Take care, and we'll speak to you soon. Bye. <laughs>